What else is there? Uh, Supreme Court 7-2 decision. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was like a total non-event in the end. It's a non-event. Nobody cares. Well, yeah, but now we have... <laughs> Ian Bogost said it best. I think it was Ian Bogost, anyway. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. That, okay, now that we have the decision, let's earn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing I want to bring up, because I got a letter from the EA today saying that, oh, video games aren't now, or, uh, sorry, that's not what it said. This is that, you know, video games uh, won the Supreme Court 7-2 decision then. Oh, it's been an important year for us. And, you know, I couldn't help but think, you know, that th- this whole letter is filled with stuff about creativity, freedom uh, to create art, and so on and so forth. That ESA supports SOPA, you know? <laughs> it's like, you guys are, are, are going on about art and, and, and creativity and how, you know, you won't allow people to stifle you, and yet you support SOPA, which basically stifles everyone. So mm-hmm. what, the, what the hell, guys? You know? It's, it's, all, it's all code. It's all code for, and like, all this stuff about freedom of speech and freedom of expression and freedom of creativity. It's all just code for we want to make money and we want to make it our way. And we don't yeah. want you to make any sort of thing that even hints at possibly infringing on our ability to make that money to the maximum extent possible. Yeah. Everyone's got, I know everyone's about to get very angry and very heated. I'm going to put a link to, Ian, to, to your pod, to the podcast that discusses it into the show notes and move on because we could just start yelling for an hour. Yeah, I'm pretty much. Stop that's, it here. that's what Ian and I do. I, I need to... Um, be right back, okay? Sorry. Uh, yeah, can we, I, I have to I have to go to the bathroom quick, so if we could just, like, sh- pause. It'll catch up with us in about five minutes. Yeah, when his thing stops stuttering. Uh, so- I was talking to myself, apparently, for one minute, and I didn't know I thought- it was cut out. Well, we did try to tell you several times. <laughs> And I also said I was going to link... I don't know if you heard us. I heard the link thing. Yeah, I heard the link thing that you were going to link to me. And, and then I, I said talking about how um, one of the developers of Super Meat Boy said that, you know, uh, SOPA would shut him down. And, you know, just based on that alone, it's, it's enough to say that, you know, supporting SOPA makes you a hypocrite if you're a game developer because you are, you are killing the indie game industry if you do that. God, okay. that is such a horrible thing contemplate, you know, that the indie games could die if SOPA passes. And using that terrible segue into this, the battle between Bethesda and Mojang. One of the biggest developers, one of the biggest indie successes. Mm -hmm. Over Over the word scroll. Scrolls, yeah. You want me to talk about it? Because I know quite a bit about it. How much is quite a bit? A lot. Like, as in, I know the lawsuit and so on. I've helped a guy write an article about the lawsuit and so on. Well, that makes you an uh, expert. Yeah. That's like you're right there. Okay, so... You don't have a law degree. Well, the, the guy who wrote the article, he has a friend with a law degree <laughs> who actually explained why this happens. So um, Bethesda isn't really at fault here. They have to do everything they can to protect their, uh, their copyright or trademark. Yeah, it's a trademark, sorry. And whether they like it or not, whether they, they personally like Mojang is completely besides the point. They have to sue him. And they have to get the whole thing straightened out, even though they know they'll lose. So it, it's just a set of precedent that they will defend their trademark. And that's what they did. They knew they were going to lose, but they did it anyway. 
But do they even yeah. have a trademark on scrolls? Just the word El- They have the they have the trademark. I know this part. They had the trademark on the Elder Scrolls series, and the word scrolls could be construed enough to be uh, to even enough. And if they don't defend it, someone later on is is going to make something a lot closer and is going to use the president that you didn't defend the word scrolls and have a big seat to stand on. I'm sorry, but yeah. this just reminds me an awful lot of that edge troll cro- copyright thing. It again. is very similar. It's to the it. same thing. It's pretty much the same the, thing, the only, except yeah. The only difference here is that Bethesda is dropping the lawsuit after this. You know, they're not like the edge troll Tim Tim. What's his name? Langdon. Yeah. Yeah. He continues to sue people despite losing. He just continues to do it over and over again and people can't really afford the uh, legal costs. Yeah. But the main reason he lost is because it's a game from the eighties and he hasn't made another one since. Right. That was that's the big caveat. Elder Scrolls is still getting stuff made. It's still an in use cop trademark. Yeah. And they're not dicks about it, so you know, they're not gonna pursue this whole scrolls it's just, anymore. It's the it's the US copyright trademark system. If they didn't have if it was different, they wouldn't have even done this. Right. Well, I say it, it's a it, bunch of bullshit. It is a bunch of bullshit. It's just, it's just law, you know, and law is... Well, law works like a hammer, and they got to use it like a hammer. It I mean, I, I could fill an entire four hours on what I think is wrong about the American <laughs> copyright and patent system. God. You guys are making me want to do this more often. We should do it more often. I mean, if we do it, and every just week. get sloppier with the late with the editing. Please do, because you're. I don't. Yeah, don't you worry about the, the editing. Bone. If you make us sound awful, I will only care a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry about the editing. I mean, this oh, is, uh, speaking of scandal, yeah. Chain World. Oh yeah. If any, if uh, anyone remembers this, yeah, it's I like the, it. can you just can you just picture like how much I care about this? <laughs> I don't really I care about it at the all. tiniest. I it's just in, but it was just a huge blow up, especially that it just start it. Was reenacting the the schism of the Catholic Church in the 14th. <laughs> it's so meta, you know. That's what I like to say. I, I, you know what? For those who don't know or don't care, Chain World was the winner of a contest divided by Imbogos by Jason Rohr, maker of Passage and uh, Twilight in the Starry Sky. That was basically make a video game that is religion, a religion, and he made it. Uh, a Minecraft mod that only works off of uh, a thumbstick, and uh, when you and the rule and the rules are you can't put any signs in the Minecraft. When you die, the game exits you out, saves, and then you have to remove it and pass it on to whoever you want to next. So he held it up, and who wants to be the first person? A guy, a guy shot up his hand at the back of this. He came down, and he was passed forward. Then he set up a website that says. I am going to auction off for whoever the next person is, which is fine. He has every right to choose how he does it, and he's going to send all the proceeds to charity. Then he says, but the dictates of winning the auction is that you have to then send it to Jane McGonagall, who will then give it to whoever it wants, and then that person has to give it to Will Wright, and I've set up a list of anyone who wants it versus celebrity, and that... It is a fucking bullshit. I'm so sorry to say it. It is a fucking bullshit. Because who... It's, he doesn't have the right to dictate. He has, he has no way to enforce it either, to dictate who gets it next. And he thinks he's St. Peter! <laughs> yeah. he, he's the St. Peter of this video game. And then you have, uh, oh, who's uh, Courtney Stanton's new husband? What, what's his name? He's 
tiny subversions on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Darius? He, no. Darius, Darius, yeah. yes. He is, and he he's playing the part of Martin Luther, <laughs> who in the comments section stuck up his complaints on the wall, on the comment wall, and says, no, I, and just, I got several people to help him just create this huge bid to try and get it, and the first thing he was going to do was stamp out the heresy by destroying it. <laughs> he eventually got outbid, and I, I, and uh, they lost track of it because the guy who bid on it, like they, they, lo- they sent it to him, and they have no idea what he's done with it. McGonagall <laughs> doesn't have it, so it, it actually has fulfilled its original purpose to be lost into the wilds. Yeah. So supposedly, someone who actually knows what it is and knows of the of the internet will post what is give a little message of what has happened or update even though you're not supposed to do that either he just looks a thumb drive you know it, it deserves mention if nothing for the sociological implications yeah i i think it pretty much fulfilled its its role there <laughs> i mean i I've, I've gotten a lot of flack for just saying that it's just like yep sounds like a religion even the fact that it's been so like hotly contested it's just like yep that sounds like religion to me i mean I was going to say God knows, but everyone knows I'm pretty much a cynic when it comes to this, as outspokenly atheist as I am. But oh, man, we are, get so many hate comments. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're all atheists in here. Am I right? Am I right? But yes. it's, we, we welcome all faiths here at Critical Distance. <laughs> it's um, never come up. Baptist. Oh, good lord. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, Before we get our houses like, burned down. It's like one of those things that it's just like it was a flash in the pan, and I cannot really imagine it becoming a thing again in the future. It was an interesting thing. Another good news. Smithsonian's Art of Video Games exhibition has been chosen. It, has not, it will open next year, but it was voted by... It was uh, the nominees for what would be included under certain subjects were voted by a panel who know what they're talking about. And then the Smithsonian gave it as a vote to the internet community to decide what would actually go in. I'm always wary of internet votes. Well, the thing is, I actually looked at the end list and it says like, you you could go wrong with a few of the choices, but no, I it's pretty I would I wouldn't have voted with what actually some of what was won. But you know what? I have no problems with what got chosen on display. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's not perfect, but then what is? You know, I I don't think they would be able to come if they had perfect list. But this is you know. They, they opened it up to democracy, and democracy spoke. You know, so I think it's fine. It's a I'm actually cel- thinking about going. It's a it's a celebration of video games, which which is what matters. And speaking of the Smithsonian, there's a similar effort at the uh, at Oakland. I think there's a museum there, isn't there? Of video games in Oakland. Yeah, I, apparently it's been there for a little while, that yeah. I, and I hadn't heard of it before. There's two yeah, another thing here in Australia, here in Melbourne, actually, about video games as well. So I don't think it really. I don't, don't I don't take think it's picks. Like an amazing thing anymore. It's like games really are being recognized as good enough to hang in a gallery oh, alongside okay. paintings and whatnot. I, I don't know if anyone's done this, but you should you should go there and take pics for all of us non-Australians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's if they allow fun. it, because that sa- that does sound awesome. Can't wait for them to one open in New York, where you think we'd get one already. In the Museum of Modern Art, maybe it would be nice. No, they already have oh. one. It's called The Artist is Present. Oh, wait, that's just a, a non-game. Internet. Yeah. But, um, tish. Oh, non-game. I, I'm not bringing that up. That that should have gone with the reviews, but never mind. Oh, here's one. Neglected white male gamer being at Bioware. Oh, my God, I shortlisted <laughs> that one. 
All right, you um, speak about it. Okay, uh, can you give sure. me the backstory on this? Yeah, okay, so shortly after Dragon Age 2 was released, there was a huge screed that was posted multiple times on the Bioware social forums, and it was deleted each time. I think the third or fourth iteration is just like, how come you keep on deleting my post? I'm just saying that but that Dragon Age 2 is marginalizing my experience as a white, straight male gamer because of, you know, the, the fact that one of the main love interests in the game, Anders, is a guy and will hit on you even if you are a dude. And uh, there were apparently um, no acceptable female options because the women love interests in the game were one girl covered in tattoos and another girl who was not white. So... This was offending his delicate sensibilities. And Ravage, one last in- and- one interjection. Men, take hint on the Anders thing. Learn from it. Yeah, seriously. If you think that you feel uncomfortable when Anders hits on you, what do you think we feel like every single day when we're out there on the streets, like just trying to get somewhere? Anyway, the great thing about this particular instance was not that some dude was whining on the forums, but that the head writer of Dragon Age 2, David Guider, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, David Gator, David Gator, Gator, um, responded to the post with an excellent breakdown of white male privilege that basically said, white male privilege, you have it, and just shut down all debate right there. It was glorious, and um, I love him for it. And the thing is, the original post, if you're used to enough that you can get a pretty good cynical laugh out of it. Gator's post had you fist pumping Mm -hmm. with one hand. And then the reaction on Twitter, which was highlighted by, I think, Courtney Stanton, who said, I must give Bioware my money now. There was a lot of... Put both hands in mm -hmm. the air. There was a lot of positive blog feedback. I did a a coverage of it for um, Hathor Legacy and some other places like that. And it was... I think there are still posts that are going up on it. Like, like, uh, Gay Gamer... Uh, did a whole thing on it too and it was great because not only did david gator sort of just take down this dude's post and say it's like this is why you're wrong he was using language that a lot of us that you know operate in these communities uh you know feminist forums and you know intersectionality forums inclusivity forums recognized as the same sort of language that we were used to using and it was just like we have an ally here and i think that was a big moment for a lot of us Gator gets it, you know? He mm-hmm. gets it. And on the other end of the spectrum, here's a company that doesn't. The EA Marketing. Oh, this started, God. This is more of an ongoing thing, because it really hit bottom with uh, with last year's Dante's Inferno, and yeah. then it continued on with Medal of Honor, and then we got Dead Space 2. I don't, I don't think they hit bottom yet, you know? I mean, okay, I think, uh, I think you missed it, like... Uh, a few weeks ago, it, it turns out that uh, Battlefield 3 was banned in Iran, and if you're caught oh, selling yeah. Battlefield 3, you go to jail for it. Like, they, they send you to prison for that. And uh, GameSpot asked EA for comment, and EA said, oh, it's good that they're cutting down on piracy. Oh, no, no, it was. It's good they're doing this because it'll cut down on piracy. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they asked. You do realize this is for legal copies as well. <laughs> so they sure they did, but the guy is like... Oh. No fucks were given. They're like, yeah, as long as it cuts under Paris, we don't care, you know. We'll send you to prison and uh, whatever, you know, whether you get killed or your whole family's executed, that's fine, you know. As long as you're not copying our games. Cool. And, like, I posted it on Twitter, like, yesterday, 
and several EA employees, you know, the people I should design uh, uh, Battlefield 3, they replied to me like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> they were shocked. Yeah, the- Another company that does not talk to itself. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, especially with like these large PR firms and stuff like that. I mean, the left hand is frequently not aware of what the right hand is doing. That makes it any better. Which is ignoring the left foot, which doesn't understand what the right ear. But they all think with their penis, so at least they've got that sorted out. I'm sorry, that was a total air killer. Yeah. They, okay. Yeah, you want to talk about bad marketing. Okay, uh, let's talk about Dead Space 2. You know, Dead Space is a great game. Definitely recommend it to everyone. But the marketing was like, your mom would play this game. Really? What was awful is that this is M-rated. Everyone accepts that. Kids don't play this, and the marketing was straight to thirteen-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, your mom. Your mom will hate this game. Well, I'm over eighteen. I can buy my own damn games. Thank you very much. And I mean, I'm fine with them playing on the stereotype that you know, fifty-year-old women don't play video games. Just true. They don't, you know. But uh, yeah, it's forty-year-old women. It, it's pandering. It's pandering to the thirteen-year-old crowd, which I dislike. You know, I don't mind them saying, oh, you're a 50-year-old mom, I'm not going to play a video game. It's, a, it, it's, it's just the part where they assume I'm a 13-year-old kid that annoys me. Because I'm not. I'm 27 years old. Fuck you. And I, I love this part. They somehow pissed off the Nanny Association Union. <laughs> How you piss off someone who looks after someone else's three-year-olds, I don't know. Oh, well, I suppose the implication there is that no one's watching your kids. No, I love this because it perfectly highlights the sort of hypocrisy within, you know, AAA gaming, where on the one hand, when Congress wants to regulate this, I'm sorry, uh, U.S. Congress, I know that other countries have their own regulation bullshit going on. It's just like, oh, no, we have the ESRB. Everything's cool. Like, young kids aren't playing these games. And then as soon as they get into the marketing aspect of it, it's like, yeah, we know these prepubescent assholes are playing our games, and they're basically the only ones who play our games. Look at uh, Activision's Modern Warfare. Uh, some, well, not the latest one. The latest one's actually kind of good, you know, where, where they have the two comedians. But uh, before, with Modern Warfare 2, they were, like, obviously pandering to kids. You know, they would make a, a noob tube reference or, or talk about FAGS. You know, they use the F word, yeah. too. That, that is so dumb, and it took a lot of flack for it, which... Um, I'm glad to see that, you know, their new marketing for Modern Warfare 3 is actually pretty good. You know, they got the guy from uh, Super So Bad. was uh, Black Ops. So was Black Ops, actually. Mm-hmm. That marketing blitz, that was, like, the biggest. Everyone praised that marketing. Borderhouse praised it. Yeah. The gamer praised it. It's like everyone's a gamer. Everyone's a, uh, a, everyone's a soldier. Yeah, and it has yeah. roles in it. So, mm-hmm. it, it's well done. You know, it's well done. It, it, can, it can be done. You just need non-pillocks behind the wheel. Yeah, it's just like you get your heads out of your asses and don't think like total bros and you can accomplish great things. that you Like, no one ever did wrong by being more inclusive. It's not as though the 13-year-old male gamers are going to see your ad and go, oh, there's a black kid playing this game. I don't want to play it now. Yeah, unless they're raised in the Stormfront forums or, you know, their middle name is Adolf. I don't yeah. think anybody's going to take offense to it. Or they're like and, the entitled uh, gamer on the Bioware forums who gets offended that a, a, right. like a gay guy hit on him. But again, it's just like, do you really want to cater to fans like that to begin with? Exactly. Like, why do you want to cater to people? That, that is not even the lowest common denominator. That is that is a, a niche. You really <laughs> want to cater to that niche? Really? 
Sadie, we haven't heard from you. Yeah, we have. I love your voice, so we want to hear more from you. Um, I don't know. What were we talking about? <laughs> EA's poor marketing versus Activision's good marketing. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to marketing, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> good on you. Good on you. That's pretty smart. Yeah, it is. Actually, oh, I was curious. This isn't on your uh, cheat list, uh, cheat list, Eric, but um, yeah. everyone was is familiar with the long live play ad that Sony did this year, right? I like yeah. Yeah. And yeah, everyone was generally favorable toward it because, especially when they came out with the interactive version where you could add in your own name, it somehow you know started seeming a little more, or at least made a vague gesture toward genuine inclusivity. That you know it wasn't just you know it's always like going to be the the straight. Um, I mean, I guess straight isn't necessarily implied, but it's going to be the white teenage boy who's being praised in all these ads. Now it can be you who guided Solid Snake and all these other people we don't really care about and all these different missions. And apart from, you know, the flash intro thing where Kevin Butler's calling you son, regardless of your gender, it uh, it seems like the one good thing that Sony has done with their advertising in this entire <laughs> console generation. One thing I will give for the Kevin Butler ads is that anytime something like that happens, when it's the character Kevin Butler saying it, you can chuck up to the fact he's a complete blinded moron, and that's <laughs> yeah. the joke. Yeah, I don't, I don't take offense to anything he says. Yeah, I suppose in my sense it's just like it's a, like a moment of unreality when someone in like yeah. a PR thing is calling me a guy as though I'm not really there. It's just like there, there, I think there's a difference between buffoonery and complete erasure. That I think it, the difference is because you're not in the picture. If you were also in the panel and he called you son and you gave him that look, everyone would realize the stupidity of it. Right. And it, it's more that just like it's just like that assumption yeah. of of no one listening to this except for guys. Um, that just kind of like it just divorced the whole thing from my experience. But we could get into a whole other thing. Half my remarks seem to be, yeah. And there's a whole other four hour podcast about me. <laughs> That's well, that's 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 pretty much what the end of year podcast does, but you can't have that. It creates discussion. You know, I, I, that's what I like about the end of year podcast is that we we touch upon these various topics. It, it allows us, or any writer, anybody listening to this, can branch off at you know at any point they like and and write about it on their own. You know, write about their own experiences and their own thoughts on the subject. We are merely touching upon you know uh, yeah. the surface. Well, all the responses to mine is just I, like Chris Sigmund's a bitch. That'll be it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be deleting deleting any of those. <laughs> I don't think we'll get a lot. P- people seem to forget we have a comment section on the podcast. Well, yes, I mean considering that we don't tend to. Well, it's because the posts that do get comment sections we don't come up very often. Yeah. Uh, speaking on advertising. E3's burgeoning irrelevance. Oh, man. I can speak personally to this one because I was at E3 this year. Go. Okay. Um, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I is that new? Is that new? It's not new, but there's the thing. Is, this is my first time attending to the show, and I always thought to myself, it can't be any worse than how it looks in the advertisements. It actually has to have some sort of genuine iota of goodness somewhere, something authentic to it, and nope, it's, it's, it really genu- genuinely is 
just this incessant roaring of gunshots and man shooting and I am jizzing all over your face with uh, my testosterone-ness for three days straight. And it doesn't matter if you are a girl. It's just you are absolutely invisible in that situation. And it's it's just like, I don't know, if someone created some sort of like military wet dream and just laid it out over this gigantic uh, complex in South Los Angeles and said, let's just have a sort of orgy of military fetishism for three days well, straight. Well, you know... Interesting point here is that the military recruits at E3. Yep, yep. I tracked them for a bit. I felt like a real genuine Even though, journalist. Who are they? But the what I find interesting is who, since this is technically a trade show, who the hell are they recruiting? Well, considering that when I, know, I was te- there at the Nintendo booth and the guy next to me was a 13-year-old boy, I'm pretty sure that their standards for who a journalist is to get into this thing, despite the fact that they've apparently cracked down on that, they haven't yep. really. Yeah, and I actually worked for a publication at the time, and I couldn't get couldn't get a pass. Yeah. And this interesting thing is that you can get a pass, uh, like a day pass, but not a journalist pass. So, which is that's what the thirteen year old kids are doing, you know, like the the non journalists. That's how they're getting in. They, uh, it's, they apply. it's just kind of comical at this point that they're purporting that it is in any way, shape, or form a <laughs> uh, a, a a a press conference of any sort. Well, you can sort of say that for the for the floor show, but the real irrelevance to me came during the actual stage shows because <laughs> that's that's what they were, and I think it was highlighted by the meme we got out of it that any time a video game presenter is now just totally dubrodish, totally out there, and totally screwing up, what does he get called, Mister Caffeine? <laughs> <laughs> that's Joe what they're operating on. Which was so awful because he was that panel had simultaneously the best stuff in it and yep. the worst stuff in it because he was he was the worst thing about all those presentations and then they had these D makes to introduce the new the the I real like the new D-makes. games were and the D makes was what everyone was getting excited about yeah Very well done CD Assassin's Creed one pretty solid I, w- I was thinking I was thinking oh the driver one. Oh, yeah. The driver D make and the Ghost Recon D make as a as a turn based strategy game. I would play that. Which, which then came out as Frozen Synapse. Yep. I, well done. Oh, I don't know, Katie. Did you see any of this? Not not at all. I feel like we're just leaving you out. Yeah. It's fun. Like I honestly don't pay attention to a lot of a hacker on games. You've probably seen uh, me ranting a lot about this lately. It really bothers me. So I just kind of step out of it myself, just to avoid getting too angry about it. You know, like Noam Chomsky, you know, Noam Chomsky, I was watching an interview with him, and he said, uh, the, the interviewer asked him for a piece of advice, and he said, the, the biggest piece of advice I, uh, I can give is don't watch TV. <laughs> yeah. It's a little like that. Yeah, like, I, mean, I used to be honest. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I used to, like, really, you know, keep up with things that made me angry, but I don't like being an angry person. Yeah, snarky yeah, person. Yeah, it's bullshit there, but I don't want to waste my time on it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I mean, so- if it weren't for the fact that I live in L.A., I would never have given second thought to going to E3. For me, it, it was funny, because the- I would actually want to go to E3 if I lived Just in Just for the experience of why you should not go to E3. I, I agree there. Well, yeah. Honestly, I would like to just to go to it because it's one of the big four in North America. It's not tailored toward... <laughs> like the consumer at all it's just it's three days of solid pr 
horrible. And you know, I know, but what was re- what's really kind of awful about it was is that is that there were moments of genuine like joy. This is what it video games is all about. Like when Tim Schafer came on to show off uh, Sesame Street's "I I Want a Monster." And you could just, it is just like his excitement of, here's my new Sesame Street game, and you could just see him, ver- that he can now play with his kids with the Connect, Or when Ansel and his PR group came on and just to show off Rayman Origins for five minutes. It's like, that's what you want the whole show to be. And the rest of it just, like, 20 minutes so EA can explain what its gun club is. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I Sounds supposedly I have medals in it. I have medals <laughs> in the gun club, and it's like, why am I a part of this? I don't understand. Oh, I get unlocks, but I already have those guns. What's the point? It, I think most... the real problem is is that E3 used to be exciting for me. Like several years ago, I would just I would watch every. I would set aside. I get the cheetah. I get the Doritos. <laughs> I get the pretzels with the soda. Sit down and watch the. All the conferences, all the way through, and it would be exciting to me. And I, the thing is, is that, and I, I realize what's changed about it. I realize nothing's changed. It's up. the exact same. Not just me. The entire like gaming has grown up, and E3 hasn't. Even the companies and their products have grown up to a degree that E3 hasn't. Mm. Yeah, it's almost the same thing as with the Spike VGA Award, and that's the last time we'll mention it. Well, it could not. It could be if I keep cutting them out. Yeah. One last marketing thing, and this one I think was successful, but it got a huge amount of backlash. The Portal 2 ARG. I actually did not follow that at all. I'm not really... I'm, bi- I'm more on ARGs as a concept than their reality, which is mainly marketing. Well, it was basically, here's some indie... Here's great indie games. We're putting them on sale, and if you play them and achieve certain objectives within the game... It will make this timer for when Portal 2 gets released go faster. And it totally didn't work. And it did. It got released a a couple of hours before it would have happened otherwise. Because (laughs) and people got so angry that (laughs) how dare you only release eight hours early? (laughs) It's because of this whole you know fetishization of the release event. I mean, if we stop thinking about the release of games as an event, and just more like, now there's this new tool out, then maybe we would stop getting obsessed over them. Hey, I play. I played the challenges. I helped a little get those things to move a little faster, and I didn't get to buy Portal 2 for another month. You see, if you're absolutely genuinely interested in just the puzzle aspect of it, and you know, completing that's the fun. challenges, that's one thing. But that's, well, that's, that's, that's where it becomes transmedia, and that's where it becomes gamified, and that's where it becomes all these cynical sort of commercial things that only really exist because we have this obsession with getting things now and getting things at the very moment that they come out. As yeah, you can see, I don't like release date events. This is very uh, strong in games, though. Like, think about other mediums. Do people go this insane for, you know, books, yes. for example. Yes. It's really Harry, Potter. It's Harry, po- Harry Potter. Harry Potter. I was at the midnight Fun release. And Twilight. Fun Can you name any And Twilight. Books? Twilight. No, yeah. Not a lot of books. She's right. It's like only maybe only two books do that. Yeah, and, and then but movies, though. Movies get an awful lot of, like, midnight releases and a lot of hype, you know, about seeing that on the first standing day. out a week beforehand. If you see it after, it's just like, why bother seeing it in the theater? Because everyone's already seen it and already talked about it. Mm -hmm. But the difference there is that, you know, uh, the movie would cost 
I don't know, somewhere between seven and fourteen dollars, and a game is costing you sixty dollars, and in some cases it doesn't take you much more much longer to play. Yeah. And the psychology is is that because I spent more, it this must be more important, or you could do what I do and wait for the end of December when Valve decides to go nuts. Yeah, I'm waiting for that one. Too bad I already own all their games. I own everything. Well, no, they they like everyone's games go on sale. I bought like twenty dollars today worth. Yeah, but I already did that during their Black Week sale. Yeah, thing. and you know the, I didn't have money. I didn't the, have money back. The sales that they had during the Black Friday week, this or Cyber Monday week, or whatever they're calling it, were actually better than than the sales that are going on now. Um, Magico is cheaper. Uh, a lot of the games are cheaper, as a matter of fact. Like I got Terraria for like dollars, five dollars now. It's like it, it kind of upsets me on one level because I know that Adbusters was trying to kind of get a thing going where you don't buy anything on Black Friday in order to kind of sabotage uh, a lot of these major corporations, you know, trying to get into the black with these profits. And considering that a lot of us now are, you know, at least if not openly engaged with the Occupy movement or at least sympathetic to it. But then on the other hand, we're still being these really active consumers of all these different deals that are being shoved toward us. And it um, it should create more of a dilemma than it has for a lot of us, yeah, in should. my opinion. Yeah. Most people, like, shut off one part of their brain and they're like, oh, sales, cool, occupy Walmart. It's really unfortunate. But then I'm, I'm also uh, guilty of it because I went and bought, out, bought stuff on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, too, because, well, I'm a freaking poor student. Yep. Yeah. Although I didn't because I didn't need anything. Good for you. I just had to get my... The thing is, is that uh, I didn't have to do the sales because I got things like off 40, uh, like 60% off because I saved a lot of coupons. So when I had to do gift buying, I went to the store I had all these coupons for and got so much percentage off of them anyway. It's just knowing how to save. Okay, I want to finish this off before Katie has to leave us too. Pro- and you know what? I'm just going to do probably the two biggest events of the entire year at the very top of the list. I'm just going to end out on that. There's uh, the Sony hacking scandal in the aftermath. Uh, that got me to get a new credit card. I got me to switch banks! I should do yes. that too, because Will Fargo was a whole bunch of bullshit, but uh, I haven't I gone that far yet. I left Bank of America because Sony got hacked. Yeah. And, and it really, stupid. really wasn't the extent of the potential damage that got me about that incident. It's just that so then he was like, oh, we'll tell you in a few days. Which was a week, which turned out to a week and a half. And it's just it's just showing that the, the big corporations, at least mental irrelevancy, if not economic irrelevancy, is that they just don't understand their world. And it's possible they never did. You get these corporations and they make it big and they think and you and you get the idea that they know what's what and how business works. And then the other idea is that Maybe they just got lucky, and the only reason they're hanging on is because they have a lot of money to force other people out, or to force things down. Sony supports SOPA, right, Ian? You know these Yeah, because uh, they're part yeah, of the they, do. they support SOPA. So because yeah, it's, just, it's just one more link in that big, long chain of how come the people that understand technology the least are trying to, you know, create the rules for it. These people, you know, I'll, I'll say something. Uh, companies like Sony are the old guard. They... Mm. Back in their heyday, you know, like 20 years ago, they were the big thing. They were the big deal. You know, they were the, the people moving forward. But now, I think they're all news. They're irrelevant. You know, they're closely, I mean, they're very uh, closer reaching relevance. And they realize this. 
And the only reason they're still in power now is because they have a lot of capital. But, you know, I think I, I see companies at like Google uh, and Facebook and Twitter surpassing them. In 10 years, assuming SoFi doesn't pass, or even if it does, I, I still see companies like the new companies, uh, which are actually run by people who know what they're doing, you know, taking over. Because all these old companies, this old style mentality, it has to go. You know, these people are, these companies are run by old people. And it's not even saying that being a big company is a hindrance to that. Valve is a huge company. Yeah, but they and get it. They can, they can turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they yeah. moved into Russia for crying out. They moved their market into Russia and are succeeding in a place where no one thought media could succeed because of, because of piracy and over, and, uh, unwillingness to spend capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It takes an open mind. Doing. It takes an open mind. It takes being flexible. It takes understanding that the 20th century paradigms are no longer tenable in a 21st century economy. Why and recognizing that this decade's paradigms probably won't be recognizable next decade and trying to figure out how to move forward. Pretty much. Yeah. But on the it's other hand, I've heard these same arguments being levied at the major, you know, film and TV studios back when the writer, like the most recent writer strike was going on in 2007, 2008. And you'd think that things would have shifted then. But of course they don't. Because the problem with dealing with these dinosaur corporations is that it takes so long for things to happen. And meanwhile, you do have these littler people, these small companies, these average Joes who really are, you know, trying to make ends meet in this, you know, this obsolete paradigm that are just getting squashed by all this. So I'm really hoping that, you know, things like Sony's complete irrelevance is going to turn over faster and sooner rather than later, because otherwise an awful lot of really, hardworking, innocent people are getting caught in the crossfire with this. As is the case with, you know, so many millions of credit card accounts just suddenly showing up on whatever sort of fucking scam. And try to, and they try to appease Bank of America rather than the people who actually spent the money. Oh, God, don't even get me started on bank corruption. <laughs> I won't. Wrong, wrong, wrong subject. I think, I think Ian and I are already kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to get this away. I'm trying to move this back, but unfortunately, we're just too liberal for you. The following section has a trigger warning for discussion of rape, death threats, slut shaming, and all topics equivalent. If you'd rather miss all this, skip to 54 minutes 58 seconds. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about, and I really didn't want to end on this note: Penny Arcade and the Dick Wolves. We're still talking about that. A lot of people don't realize that for uh, for an incident, especially on the internet, it went on for months. Too long, dude. It's like one day it is went, enough. And yet, but the thing is, the harm and the damage, and especially to poor Courtney Stanton, is like yeah. it it's it started in February, and it ha- and the last entries on the timeline were in August. You're going to include a link to that timeline, a- right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. It's just. Do I either do you include it? Do you include it and risk being insensitive about it, or do you not include it? Honestly, implicitly say it doesn't matter. You honestly, can't do that. Honestly, I, I don't think you should include that link because that link perpetuates the the cycle. Like, I mean, what happened to Courtney is really terrible, and I think we should focus on that. We shouldn't focus on the drama that came after it. Like some people. I won't mention names, but they really love drama and they want to harp on an issue because it gives them a platform to speak. Otherwise, you know, they're irrelevant. 
And these are the people who keep bringing up uh, the issue over and over again, instead of moving it forward, like, I mean, I think Penny Arcade should apologize for one, but going on about how even their apology is useless and so on and so forth, and how it is a bigger part of the problem. And it's just, you know, it perpetuates the cycle. It, it says that, oh, even if you apologize, it doesn't matter because we want you to die. You know, it's, 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 a, there's a, it's a no-win situation. And I don't think we should perpetuate that. But at the same time, you can't you can't just say it didn't happen, and that's why I'm mentioning it here because yeah, we, it, we it did matter. It was huge. We should definitely talk about it. We, we should yeah, definitely I talk about especially, the issue I think especially for people who are listening to this who might not have the benefit of the full context, you know, having those references is very important. I mean, if we're, you know, out here in some cases kind of creating our own history as it happens, and these are not just the histories of, you know, dominant groups, the ones that are able to speak the loudest in order to dominate over the conversation, but also those who are genuinely affected by this. And not just the incident itself, but the culture that emerged and was just kind of shown in the light of or day as a, result, as a result of everything that happened with this. It's just like, that can't be ignored. That should not be sequestered away. I think it is very valid to talk about. I don't want us to dwell on it, for the uh, entirety of our time here, but I think it is something that should be considered like one of those noteworthy events of 2011, because that was a big preoccupation of an awful lot of people's discourse over the course of many months. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I think, like, just given the backlash from it, it really needs to be discussed. It's horrible it happened, mm-hmm. but we can't just bury it away and say, no, you know, we can't enough of this. It does need to be considered a lot. And a lot of what happened following that, we still have a problem with now. It needs to be yep. discussed. I think as long as uh, we understand the context of uh, what the blog is written in, and you present it in the right context, and it's okay, because there's a lot of bias in it, just saying. You know, it's a lot of... Yeah. Well, you're going to get bias in anything, but I, I think understanding the context is one thing, but then also recognizing, I think Katie made this point, uh, but I'd like to emphasize it, just... Nothing really changed as a result right. of that big conversation. The fact that we're still having these continuous week after week arguments um, with people in forums, with people over Twitter, uh, with these large communities, even within developers who are in denial over this persistent problem of misogyny and erasure um, oh, means yeah. that something like this, something like the Dick Wolves incident, needs to be talked about and needs to be talked about and hammered on if necessary. I agree. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And, all they ha- and the thing is, all they had to do was nothing. Yeah. If they had the next comic, and it wasn't the comic itself, it was the next comic that was the problem. <laughs> it, it was so dismissive. But what's even worse is that... Oh, sorry, Katie, what, what are you saying? Sorry, I was done. Keep going. No, 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 I didn't hear you. Can you... Uh, well, just, just say... it, it's just the way Penny Arcade reacted. So, was it Courtney? Is that her name? Her post. And, yeah, it was just a really immature response from from a group of people who have such a huge audience. It was just so disrespectful. It was. It highlighted and... the amount of privilege that they were speaking from. Privilege and ignorance of just exactly what kind of culture of privilege they were coming from. What's absolutely worse about it is that this happened, I got linked to it uh, a few weeks ago, like a handful of weeks ago, probably November, 
they'd made the exact same joke, the exact same structure, except this time, instead of rape, I think it was releasing a gnome from a cage. It was like it was like something totally innocuous, something totally inoffensive, and it was the exact same joke. Yeah, you could have done that the first time, but instead they went for you know a really easy. Some 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 guy actually created a a Tumblr where he just like here are all the ideas that you could have done instead, and just replaces that last line with a lot of other horrible things that was happening to this prisoner. Right. That wouldn't have done anything. My own personal favorite that I came up with was "Sung to Sleep" by Shoggoths. <laughs> <laughs> but it has just the right the amount right of geekiness and terror in it. Yeah. And they could have just done they could have A done nothing. Yeah. Actually that's my preferred option. Or B just said in private email said, sorry, you're right, the, the post stays up, but we won't do it again. Mm-hmm. Or say just ignored the whole thing, literally ignored the whole thing the day it happened, not the day after it happened when they made the new comic. And yeah, just, the thing is, is that by the time, and the thing is, they did apologize in a very weak sauce way. It was a non-apology. What what people yeah, in my circle call that, a high apology. Yeah, but the one thing it did was everyone stop. One thing it did say was everyone stop, including our fan. Basically, it said everyone stop, including our fans. Yeah. If they had done that, like the day after the blow up happened back in August, the the controversy would have died there. It it's just it. The momentum built up so much against these pe- these abusers and these people of privilege that even Penny Arcade telling their own fans to stop that this is not cool, it was out of their power. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Yeah. The monster had become bigger than Penny Arcade. If you know, if they had just uh, dismissed it, like just said, "Oh, we're sorry, it's a joke," or not said anything, like you said, you know, uh, I think. Everybody would have seen that. Oh, anybody complaining about the initial comic, which actually wasn't so bad, would have been, you know, summarily dismissed as someone who complains too much, and that would have been the end of it because it really wasn't that offensive. It was the second comic, like you said, their response was dismissive and unnecessary, and that's what got them into trouble. Honestly, I think the original so, comic was also inappropriate, but I think you're right that. It was definitely yeah. the reaction to it and the refusal to give a proper apology and to recognize why it was wrong that was the real problem. And yeah. the, and even and they actually some asshole on Twitter pulled pulled uh pulled the same bullshit that was happening to all the people who were in support of Dick Wolves. He pulled the exact same thing against Gabe, which he sh- I don't know. It proves a point, but honestly, I, it's a point I rather he didn't make. When he threatened their families, mm. when he threatened Gabe's family, he says, there's a joke. And it, it was totally sarcastic, but also totally inappropriate. But as soon as that was said, it like somewhere in the back of his mind, it clicked. It, Holy shit, this has gone out of control. But it didn't click enough that yeah. said, oh, this is what we were doing. Mm. Yeah. Because rape is a punchline, but murder is not. I'm he, sorry. He yeah, you should be more like Louis C.K., you know, where it, you can use rape as a punishment, but you have to understand the connotations, and you have to you have to be respectful to people who, you know, who, who, who give you feedback for it. You can't dismiss them and say, oh, you guys are too sensitive. That, that's being an asshole. Personally, I think rape is never a punchline. It, to me, it's one of five things that isn't a pun- that well, can never be a punchline. In the original comic, I don't think it was used as a punchline. 
Well, it's, it was a, it was by association. Of, um, you know, quests in like World of Warcraft and stuff, where it's like you know, rescue six slaves, and you go into a cave and there's twenty slaves there, but you only need to rescue six because that's what your quest objective is. And basically, yeah. the leftover slaves are saying we get raped every night. It is a horrible thing. And I felt what they're actually doing was saying, you know, we're gamers. We're so desensitized to this now. You know, they could be characters mm-hmm. crying about rape or anything else that's horrible, like murder, torture. But we'll just say, yeah, but I've already fulfilled my first objective. Yeah. And, like, I can admit that, you know, I didn't think the original comic was that offensive. But I can also admit that I haven't been to places that Courtney has. So I can't mm-hmm. say that she had no right to be offended by that. So for me, the big thing about this controversy is that Penny Arcade should have owned up and said, okay, we're sorry, we didn't realize this could offend people. They just gave that horrible non-apology and let their fans go rub it on her. And the thing is, is that was how I explained, and that's what really irks me, is that people always keep using the word offend, and it isn't offend, they were hurt. Right. It's a very different thing. Offend is like, Oh gosh, how dare you insult my pet? No, they were physically and psychologically I hurt. Think, I think uh, there, there's a there's a problem here in that uh, some people were genuinely hurt, and you know we should care for them. But then there are also people who like to whine a lot, and they blew the whole situation out of proportion uh, together with the fans of Penny Arcade. You know, so it was it was the bad people on both sides. Like some people will take offense at anything. You can make a joke about, uh, let's say you make a joke about Chinese people. I'm cool with that. I don't care, you know. But somebody who isn't Chinese and doesn't really understand it, it's not really offensive to me, uh, would take offense for, for for the principle of it. And and and, and these people are, are nannies, you know. They're they're complete nannies. And they like to take offense at everything. They want to, It's irritating to deal with people like that. And you deal with people like this all the time, you know. And I think the fans of Penny Arcade, Majority of them are okay people. Some of them are assholes, but I think the majority of them were irritated, were irked by, uh, by, by this mentality of you know people acting like nannies that uh, that they sort of lashed out to piss those people off, but unintentionally uh, at the same time you know they were also uh, hurting the, uh, the the people who were genuinely hurt by this. You know, it is it, a is a very complex situation, and I, I think you know uh, what, what do you call it concern tro- trolling. The people who do concern trolling need to stop. They're just as bad as the people who troll in general. Because the, because they actually, I agree with that. Because when someone actually comes up with a legitimate concern, a legitimate complaint, it's so much easier to dismiss it because of all the all the stupid people yep. who try to to just insert themselves for absolute not nonsensical reasons or to absol- or for sensible reasons to radical extremes. Yeah, like, I mean, if you look at the Border House comments, I think the, most of the Border House articles are great. But if you look at the article, uh, the comments, there's Neverinthia who, who takes offense to, uh, to little things, you know, like, like Skyrim. She's, I think she said that Skyrim is, is, ra- is sexist or something like that. And it makes no sense. You know, she just picks out a small, tiny thing that nobody even thinks about and, and makes it, blows it up into such an issue that, you know, it, it, it's like if anybody else has a real comment to talk about, you know, like a, a, a real issue, it, it gets dismissed. It, it gets lumped in together with the, the whole, oh, this person likes a wine lot comment. And, and it's not fair, I think. 
Um, well, I'm not familiar with the commenter in general. I generally um, avoid border house comment threads unless there's something being specifically pointed out to me. I think we just want to be a bit careful with the language that we're using here when we're trying to dismiss like certain particular groups as concerned trolls or things like that. Because personally, I ran across very little language in the course of the Dick Wolves uh, controversy that I would have considered beyond the pale or hysterical or something like that. We want to avoid language like that largely because that language is often used in order to silence very rational arguments. True, true. I, I think because there was actually two blow-ups about Dick Wolves. One was last year, which got quieted pretty quickly, but the big one, which was and it was generally dismissed because it was a bunch of people who didn't know what they were talking about because they weren't part of the game community, they didn't understand, and the people who had legitimate complaints went privately directly to the the authors and addressed their concerns there rationally and calmly and were summarily dismissed. It was the second blow-up that, w- that happened this year that was perfectly legitimate, and it started off of nothing. It started off of Someone asking why Courtney Stanton wasn't going to be at the on a panel, and her just calmly explaining, "This is why I wasn't going," and yeah. she she thought that was the end of it. Yeah. Right. Anyone who read that thought it, it was like, "I just don't want to go because I don't feel let be safe there." Yeah. And that's it. I'm not stopping anyone else from going. Enjoy your panel. I won't be there. And then other people blow it up into this huge thing. Yeah. On both sides. Horrible. And it, it was like the asshole Twitter guy who I will yeah. never remember, and I'm grateful for that. What he did to did to Gabe is like whatever you think of him, you you do not threaten a person's life on no, either no. side. Yeah, but the, but the the bile it was while there was tact, there was huge strikes in one direction. The bile was a tidal wave in the other, mm-hmm. in the, in generally one direction. It's yeah. An awful thing, but you can't ignore that it happened. So even though I I kind of recognize your sentiment, Ian, that we don't want to get too mired in this subject just because it does kind of become this pit of, you know, negative feelings and, you know, feeling very conflicted and all of that on top of it. It's almost like a I want to wave a never forget flag about this just Mm -hmm. because it revealed so much about what already lay beneath the surface of this big, messy community that we call the gamer community, if we can even define that as one block of things. But it brought so much to light that is still a big issue. Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. And on that sentiment, back to the... Back to the... Back to the normal discussion. Actually, if you wanted... I was looking down this list and I was thinking, what really relates very well to this whole controversy, and that would probably be the um, incident at BlizzCon that happened to and be- oh, back yeah. into Trigger warning for gay slurs, gay bashing, and Chuck Norris. If you'd rather miss all that, please skip to 58 minutes and 58 seconds. I, I guess we it's just so- want to we want to lump them together because this can just be the concern podcast or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not well, belittling, I'm not belittling that at all. It, this is something that means an awful lot to me. Um, but they do just kind of coincide. They do coincide. I know it's just I I, I, have- I sort of 
I sort of marked it off on my sheet because we we talked about Dennis's post in reaction I, to it. I have a, I I, def, I definitely have an issue with uh with the the Blizzard thing because I okay I, I won't go into such personal details but the my problem with that is that they gave uh they gave a platform to a guy who was obviously very homophobic. You know he used very homophobic remarks to um. To, to talk about alliance players, and I mean, it would, would have been all fun and games if he had not used his homophobic remarks. But the way that he talked about it, it's like this is the kind of shit that people have to deal with every day. It's not funny, you know. Like it's easy for a straight white male to uh, to dismiss the issue as uh, not a big deal, but they don't have to deal with the issue every day. They don't have to, to deal with being called the f word every day, you know. And even if even if you're gay and you don't, you're not called the effort every day. The, you know, you have probably been marginalized uh, using a, uh, with that word before. You know, and it won't be the last time. And the fact that they, you know, perpetuate this whole thing and they didn't even think to to to, to cut it out of the whole show is like they put it up on their their YouTube channel. It's like really, guys, you you put this whole thing uncensored on your YouTube channel. I think they did censor it, didn't they? But you could for still the official show. right? But they you could the still completely show. tell what they were saying. Yeah, yeah. And then they put it up. They put up the uncensored version on the internet. And it's like, it's like, wow. Why? Why would you do this? It, it was already so bad. Even as a censored version, it's awful. And and yet they put it up again. You know, it's like really. And and that coupled with uh, their ad campaign with Chuck Norris, <coughs> who has been an avid homo uh, anti-gay marriage. Uh, kill all the gays. Uh, uh, spokesperson. They're using him as a spokesperson for World of Warcraft. I mean, that says a lot that they're very ignorant of of, uh, of you know who their audience is, or maybe they're very aware of who their audience is. I don't and like being said, cynical. That all said, and I'm not dismissing that. I think we might be going a bit too far in arguing that Chuck Norris was included because of his politics. I think he's got a bit of a broader appeal than just people who. Well, um, that's, just I, well that's just it. That's just it. His time has passed. His time is like yeah. the meme thing. He's like cannibal. He's like cannibal corpse. He's like years, just completely irrelevant now. They're a few years late. But, like Mr. T one, they came out right like when the A T movie was thing, and he was in the public consciousness. Those made sense, and just the fact that Mr. T is just eternally awesome. But it's I mean, like I was just going to just, say, and I know we have to say goodbye to Katie here in a second. I know, um, but it's just like I wish if you could compare. Blizzard's reaction to that incident compared to the reaction of Penny Arcade to the Dick Wolves fiasco, the difference is phenomenal. They yeah, come and say, yes, we made a mistake. Uh, I'm sorry, Katie. I wish we could I, I wish we could get you in this more. Yeah. And more yeah. in the discussion. I'm really sorry, all this Christmas stuff. Uh, I, I know. The time zones are hard and Never people have just... Nope, nope. Have happy, happy fun times. Happy Christmas. Never, Christmas. never apologize for happy, happy fun times. And let's do this again sometime. We yeah, should. definitely. Hopefully on a better day than two days before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> whose idea? Whose idea was that? It's yours. It's yours. Yeah, I didn't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did such a good job last year too. Well, thanks a lot for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. 
is enjoying it as much as I did. Thank you for being here, Katie. I hope to. I re- every person who I have on this podcast, I want to come back and do another one. And, so and you should do more often. You know, before you Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's going to be the theme of this podcast. Last year it was the um. This year it's <laughs> stop editing. <laughs> Seriously, stop editing. This is fun to listen to, and it's, you know, <laughs> I don't think anybody will take offense to the fact that we're. That we're speaking naturally to each other right now. Compare this to last year, where everybody was awkward. You know, a lot of people were impressed by that. They <laughs> thought we were so smart. My God, you're so eloquent and so intelligent. <laughs> people are so above us. Oh, they were in awe at how we spoke until I broke guys, your, guys, broke Katie needs to go. Said, no, Katie I, needs to no, go. I spent twelve hours editing it. Katie, we should catch I, up. <laughs> we should catch up. Bye, bye. Have, have a good holiday, Katie. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks a lot. And have See fun. You. Yeah. You too. Hi. And... Where's you? And I, I want... I have one last subject, which... Is, I, are I are we coming subject. to the end of this? Really, already? Of the, event, of the events we are. Really? Yeah, we, haven't done, we haven't done the letter series. We haven't done That's the Earthquake. We haven't yeah. done Sonic <laughs> Anniversary. We haven't done... Nope. Well, I guess EA marketing we kind of touched on. We haven't done the Brenda Brathwaite thing. We have we did do uh, Dan Cook's thing, BlizzCon, yes. No, no, no. The earthquake, yes. earthquake we we didn't do, and the letter series we didn't do. And Brenda Brathwaite, honestly, we covered that a big in the GDC podcast. True. With people who were actually there. So yeah, I, I and that's kind of gonna... big for me now. So you know what, Brenda Brathwaite had an awesome rant. Go listen to our GDC podcast where we talk it in depth. She has great nails, by the way. She. She is I like got to meet her when I was at Indicate. Fantastic news. The thing is, my, my impression of her is like, I only get to see her on Twitter, and she changed her name twice, which confused me. I was like, who is this person, and why did I follow them? She's very intelligent. Oh, it's Brenda Brathwaite, that's why. No, but uh, it's like, it's like Brenda Brathwaite, she, she argues a lot with Manveer here, and it's very entertaining to read. So I followed her, and then it was like, huh, what has she done? So I looked her up as, holy shit, she's a gaming god! <laughs> and she's married to John Romero, just saying. She invented, she practically invented the CRPG with wizardry. It was like, holy shit, I did not know this. She's and then I on it, Twitter, guys. And, and she, it's BR on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Currently. Yeah. By, the time, Currently. by the time this actually is posted, I'm sure it'll be changed to something else. Uh, yeah, and she did. Tr- and the thing is, I mainly learned about her through Train, and it was like, oh, what else she's she she's very intelligent, very knowledgeable. What else she's done? Oh, wow, this is a huge list. But yeah, it's like you don't realize that these, and it's her her loot drop with her and John Romero working on social games that that I'm really excited to see where they go with it because we have the Farmvilles, we have like the exploitation where style games. Now we get to see what heavily experienced and let's just say more in, I guess you could say, hard game, uh, game designers of the hardcore games, what they can do in this new format and see where they can take it. And that's what makes me excited for it because she's working on it, because we, a name person is working on it. And we don't get that often because we don't know anyone who works on the damn games. Yeah, and really it's not just her and John Romero's experience and their savviness in the industry that excites me. It's also that listening to her talk, you can totally see that 
she's very aware of various social issues on both macro and local scales and how that's going to affect game development going forward. Uh, I got to see her at a great panel um, at IndieCade just this past October. I think it was October? Yes, it was October. Point being that, you know, she's more than just a savvy programmer. She's got uh, a fantastic brain in there for how we're going to be using this medium as a medium, as a mass medium. Um, so she's a lady to watch out for. But then again, she always has been. So we've it's now, we, we, we've, we've faffed over uh, Kirk Hamilton, we've faffed over uh, Brenda Brathwaite. Who's next? Well, how about Kirk Hamilton with Leigh Alexander? Mm, the and that's my and that's, that's my brilliant segue into the letter, letter series. series. And the thing is, they weren't the first ones. Who did who did them first? Simon Ferrari and Tom Bissell did the first letter series of the year. Really? What, did, what were they I doing? Just, was it, it wasn't the marathon. It was on paste. It was six pages of them. I didn't. I haven't read it yet because I keep yeah. losing the tab. Every time I like my computer eventually crashes before I can get to it, and I have to like restore all the tabs, and I keep losing it, and I forget about it. You know I find it. Ag- you know what it's called? But it's Eric, about it's called the bookmarking. I- yes, thank you. <laughs> and it's basic. It, it's basically, uh, I think, a response to his book, a back and forth of gaming moving forward as an artistic medium onto itself. Mm-hmm. And it's on paste. It's all one post on paste, and they did it first. And they did it first, and. I don't think anyone remembers that they did it until you mention it. It's one of those things. Well, it, it's a great trend. I mean, for those that aren't familiar with what we're talking about, um, a letter series is basically two fairly well-known journalists or other game figures that have a sort of an email conversation back and forth with each other about a particular subject, whether it's a book in the case of Ferrari and Bissell or in the case of Lee Alexander and Kirk Hamilton, which is the more well-known example um, a Final Fantasy VII, one of them being a newcomer to the game, the other being a veteran of the game, and sharing their various experiences, and in the case of the veteran, their recollections of the game. And um, it's one of those things that I think only comes up um, in a hobby like ours when there's like such an entrenched history of you know what a game is and what it means to various people who engage with it at some point or another in their lives. And not only was this like Final Fantasy VII letter series, you know, just really fun, it was so nostalgic for people who, you know, had played the game before or had never played it and were curious about it um, to just kind of get the cultural experience of being in this community together with awesome writers like Lee and Kirk. There's probably two of the best. There's such and, a uh, thing on Grantland where they talk about zombies. Uh, one of whom is a uh, film critic, and the other guy is he wrote a book about zombies. You know, a fiction fictional novel about zombies. Mark Bro- Mark's Bro- Max Brooks. No, 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 not, not Max Brooks. Okay, a different guy. Uh, so they have these uh, these two writers. They're talking about they're they're sending back and forth letters about zombies and what they mean to uh, to society. Like they they explore everything from their roots. You know, uh, the uh, the movies like because the one of the writers, he, his first experience with zombies was from the movies. It wasn't from books. It wasn't from from Bram Stoker or so on. Uh, so on. It was it was from, from movies, and so he approaches it from that standpoint. And so they have this whole conversation of how they perceive zombies and how they think society perceives it. And it's very interesting and yeah. rather 
similar to to uh, to um, to Lee Alexander's and uh, Kirk Hamilton's letters here because you know they, and they did and they did too. Yeah, they did two of them. Uh, the first one was on Paste about Final Fantasy VII, and the second one and when Kirk moved to Kotaku, so did the series, and they did uh, Deus Ex. Mm, right. Yeah. And then in inspiration of this. Uh, I tried to get Chris to do one with me on Planescape Torment. But you haven't played that one, have you? I I started to play because it, but then we, everyone we crashed and burned. We can't do a letter series when both of us have not played the game before. Well, okay. like, the thing is, is like some you you put up a poll and people yeah. chose Planescape Torment. I was quite it. willing to do it on any Bioware game. Yeah. I would have done Baldur's Gate. And and it crashed and burned because I'm really slow with playing CRPGs. There, okay. But apart from that one, <laughs> as long as we're name-dropping here, one that's going on right now is between Brendan Keough and George Kokoris about Marathon. They're calling it Frog Blast the Vent Core. Uh, wow, where was this? I don't know. Like um, Ben actually sent me a link a few uh, weeks ago um, for possible inclusion in This Week in Video Game Blogging, and I didn't think that it was substantial enough at the time to link to, but I've been you know, generally just following it. Um, for we generally, bit. if it's going to be a series, we link to the first one to here. Here's the I, series that could go. I, I, I want, I kind of want things to get like a bit of um, lead mm-hmm. to them. Anyway, I'm linking it here, and we should definitely link it in the post when this goes live. Um, but I think that letters are just a 2011 trend that I definitely want to see continue. Yeah. It's the thing is, is that it's not a 2011 trend. It's like an eight. It's like a 1780s trend that's come back thanks okay, to the internet. Okay, fair enough. Eventually. Well, everything like, old is new again. You know they had Facebooks in like the 17th century. They were called. They had. They were called literal message boards. Yes. Well, no, no, no. no. That is just like <laughs> it was like basically you went around with a book and you had different people depending on their importance sign them. It's just like I know this person. And really, chat rooms are just the uh, the pat the patty uh, what are they cafe art cafes. That's, that's what these podcasts are. We are a patty art cafe, showing off our wares. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for a event. So that's the end of part one. <laughs>